Welcome back to the 411 Podcasting Network. I am your host, Larry Zonka, and this is episode 96 of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, the 411mania.com website, and any major podcasting platform. Please make sure to to subscribe to our show, share us around on social media, and if you have time, leave us a five-star review on the podcasting platform of your choosing. Joining me tonight is my co-host, Steve Cook. Steve, how are you, sir? Oh, I'm fine. I'm just wondering why I chose to eat some smart food popcorn right before coming on the air, because now I got all this popcorn shit in my teeth. That wasn't a smart move on my part. Probably not. No, no. You, you think you think after all the years of doing these podcasts, I would figure these things out by now? No. You would think not so, quite. Steve, but you haven't. We're not, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, the uh, top-notch professional that I am over here. Yes, sir. That's all right. These things happen. Yeah, yeah. So, Steve, we have a lot to talk about tonight. We have news, as always. We have Dynamite and NXT, as always. We have the WWE Elimination Chamber pay-per-view to preview. So, we're just going to kind of jump into things, Steve. And the first thing we're going to talk about is, unfortunately, not going to be a surprise to many people. Teddy Hart back in jail. Now, yeah, as okay. as the report reads, uh, Teddy Hart is uh, behind bars in Richmond, Virginia, was in the Richmond County Jail as of 3 p.m. earlier today. Details were not super clear why he was back in jail. He was arrested last month and charged with possession, possession of a Schedule Three controlled substance, and possession with intent to sell and distribute, as well as not carrying, exhibiting his registration card or license, improperly mounted license plate, failure to use lights and with wipers, and being pulled over by authorities. Um, Maria Manick, who he has been uh, in a relationship with, who was in the car with Hart, shared a now deleted video in which she and Hart uh, via phone discussed the arrest and said that Hart was pulled over due to his license plate not matching the registration of the car, which he tried to explain was taken care of when the police officers searched the car and then they found marijuana and steroids. PW Insider later reported today that uh, Teddy Hart returning to jail was... um, he was arrested for a violation of his house arrest and is scheduled for a court hearing tomorrow at 9 a.m. Site reports Hart was arrested at 1.53 in the afternoon and booked into the jail shortly after 3 p.m., Steve. Steve, it's 2020. We're unfortunately talking about Teddy Hart in legal trouble again. And I don't know about you. I look at Teddy Hart and... For me, he is one of those really big what-if stories because he has the name, he has the pedigree, he has all the talent in the world, and he did have a really strong run in MLW. He reportedly caused no major problems when he was there, and then that ended, and now Teddy's just back to being Teddy, I guess. Yeah, I mean, what else What else can you say at this point other than it is 2020 and we're still talking about this kind of stuff with the dude. I mean, he certainly has ups and downs over the uh, length of his career. And if we're being honest, it's kind of surprising that he's lasted this long in the business. And he's lasted this long and sure had all the town in the road, had brief flashes where it looked like he's going to do something. But at the end of the day, all these years later, what has he accomplished? Unfortunately for him, nothing. Really nothing. Not a damn thing. Not a damn thing. I mean, the biggest thing he has accomplished is a bad reputation. Which, I mean, and that's not much big brag about in wrestling. I mean, lots of folks have bad reputations. Yeah, it's, um, 
I don't know, man. It's just a really depressing to see because again, it's a a dude with all that talent, and you really thought, like you said at times, really looked like he was going to go places. And uh, an example of somebody not being able to get out of their own way is probably the best way to put it. Only place he's going is back to jail. So, yeah, there you have it. But you know, it's a. Uh... Uh, you know, it'd be nice that the guy got together one of these days. We've seen guys kind of stumble through life and eventually get things back together eventually. How old? Do you know his age off the top of your head? I wouldn't even venture a guess. He's probably somewhere in our range, right? I will find out in a second. Somewhere in that you know, mid-30s to late-50s kind of range that, we're, <laughs> that we make up. <laughs> Asshole. Uh, yeah. Ted, Ted Hart is 40 years old. 40 years old. Okay. So, I mean, we've seen people turn around 40 before. I mean, it's, it's not impossible. I mean, I'd like to have some hope for the guy and hopefully has the right people around them that might be able to, uh, get them together. I mean, I don't personally know Miss, Miss, Miss Manic or, but maybe she'll help. Yeah. I don't personally know the lady, but you know, maybe she'll help. Maybe, uh, Maybe some of his his friends and his family might uh, be able to lend a hand. It's tough to say. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's uh, again, it's uh, kind of depressing and unfortunately, you know, twenty twenty talking about Teddy Hart in jail again, just not a good thing. Our next segment, Steve, I would like to entitle "Sunny Ono is a piece of shit." <laughs> All right. And if you haven't followed this news story, no, I I haven't. So okay, the Great Muda will not now be appearing at Joey Janela's Spring Break Four. And GCW says that this is because of Sonny Ono. Uh, GCW released a statement over a couple of tweets um, accusing Ono of dishonest business practices and trying to get GCW to pay to bring him and Muda over to appear at WrestleCon to no benefit of them. The statement says GCW secured an arrangement with Muda in November through the booking uh, intermediary that they usually go through for the deals. Uh, to have Muda appear at Spring Break 4 and later um, a more comprehensive deal to appear at Spring Break 4 and GCW's guest at WrestleCon. However, in December, Sonny Ono started contacting them, saying that he would now be representing Muda's booking and that he was looking for more work for Muda for WrestleMania weekend. GCW says they were confused by this because they had, they had secured the agreement already and said they were open to the idea, though, but according to them, Ono then contacted them saying that they uh, that a vendor made an offer for Muda to appear at WrestleCon and that he would only be able to take uh, the Spring Break 4 booking and not the WrestleCon booking through them. When GCW said it was okay, but that they expected um, the vendor to share in the travel and lodging expenses, a common practice for a split booking, of course, Ono was shocked and said that he should assume... Um, that they should assume all of his travel and hotel accommodations and accuse them of preventing Muda from getting work. Muda, uh, GCW notes that Ono has caused three well-known indie promoters to vow never to do business with him again due to his questionable track record. They said that they made calls and put together the truth, which was that Ono was the vendor trying to bring Muda in for WrestleCon himself, trying to score another payday. And that he was trying to get GCW to not only pay for him, but to trade for all the, pay for all the travel and lodging for both. They say Ono admitted to it when they confronted him, but has now cut off all contact. In, in, uh, after this came out, Steve, many promoters have defended GCW. 
um, said they have had similar deal- dealings with Sonny Ono over the past couple of years, and basically have certified him as a carny piece of shit. Car- Hold on. Wait a minute. You're going to tell me that carny piece of shit was operating the wrestling business trying to get Try and get a booking for him and for somebody else and just trying to get multiple paydays and uh, basically making a nuisance of himself. You're telling me that these kind of people exist in pro wrestling, Larry? I know. It's shocking. And to be clear, Steve, Muda had the bookings. Sonny Ono was trying to get money for himself. He wasn't trying to get Muda anything extra. You mean people do do things like that, Larry? Are you kidding me? I know. I've never heard of uh, people latching onto uh, bigger stars, trying to get themselves preferential treatment or trying to get themselves extra bookings or whatnot. Uh, these are just practices that I, good sir, am not familiar with. So you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to excuse me if I have a hard time wrapping my head around this entire whole, this entire situation. Shocking news, is it not, Steve? And I will also point out that uh, I would say that Sonny Ono is probably Ernest the Cat Miller's second best manager. Behind Miss Jones? Yes. There you go. I mean, behind Miss Jones is not a bad place to be. It is not, Steve. You know what I'm saying. So, but yeah, and um, and the thing is, is like people were like, well, GCW, blah, 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 Outlaw Mud Show. You know what? They have, sold, they have put on three of the biggest shows the past three years at WrestleMania weekend, and they have had nothing but good relationships with everybody they brought in, including like Great Sasuke. So yeah, excuse me if I don't fucking believe Sonny Ono here. But Sonny Ono is good friends with uh, noted uh, noted Saint Eric Bischoff. Noted truth teller Eric Bischoff, yes. Yes, yes. Still waiting for 16 weeks to drop where he talks about his WWE running catering here this year. Well, that'll be coming up pretty soon, I'm sure. So, Moving along and kind of sticking with the Japan thing, Steve. Wrestle One has announced that they're ending their active status as of April. The company announced on Twitter that they will suspend all activities indefinitely after their Kirk and Hall show on April 1st. This should come as a surprise to no people. They have uh, had constant financial issues, were only kept alive by investors. And of course, right away, people were speculating, Steve, hmm, is this going to be the NXT UK thing? Maybe they're going to move in and take over the Wrestle, uh, Wrestle One operations and kind of get embedded into the Japanese scene. But wait, there's more, Steve. Because All Japan Pro Wrestling has announced that Uncle June Akiyama will be a guest coach at the WWE Performance Center on May 12th through the 22nd. The coverage of the news has noted that Akiyama and Triple H have been talking since last June. And this led to rumors, which are not confirmed, that AEW, or sorry, WWE and All Japan Pro Wrestling may work together for NXT Japan. The tweet from All Japan uh, that made the announcement said Akiyama will meet with Triple H, tour the facility, work with the talent, and also attend an NXT TV taping. So, Steve, we've been talking about NXT UK on and off here. Seems like Uncle June might be uh, selling All Japan up the river. Trying to get that payday, you're saying. Trying to get that payday. I just think Uncle June doesn't want to have to work the fucking Champions Carnival again this year, man. He's like, fuck that. Uncle June wants to... Are you saying he wants to be a WWE Hall of Famer? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, maybe pick up a nice payday working at the uh, NXT Japan Dojo. Maybe pick up a Saudi booking or two. There you go. Yeah, I can see. I can't blame Uncle June if he can get a million dollar Saudi payday. There you have it. There you have it. But uh, you knew that somebody was going to take the money. 
As long as Triple H is going to try to get in over there, as long as they're going to try to get somebody to give them some kind of foot in the door, one of these guys was going to take it. They weren't all going to stick together and try to hold WWE out. I mean, it would have been a nice thing to think if you're, you're like a the top Japanese wrestling fan that, oh, maybe all these guys will band together against WWE. No, somebody was going to sell out. Yeah, the odds are just too good for that to happen. Yeah, and it's um. So that's the latest news, Steve. Are are you still thinking NXT Japan happens in this calendar year, like you said before? It's well, I mean, you can't rule it out, especially Akiyama news. But then at the same time, you have uh, you know, as big as an issue the coronavirus is over here, it's a much bigger issue over there. So there's uh, there, there's going to be all kinds of different hurdles to clear and make it happen by the end of the year. But it's it's kind of looking good for it right now. Yeah, the coronavirus thing is what's holding me off from saying it's going to happen this year because there's just too many unknown variables with that and just with so many people um, being uh, forced to cancel shows and everything. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, Uncle June may be the one that gets uh, NXT uh, Japan going on. You know, Steve, last week we talked about Tito Ortiz visiting the WWE Performance Center. Wanting to oh, yeah. uh, maybe get involved at WWE. TMZ talked with Chuck Liddell this week. And he is interested in working with WWE in the future. Because he smells that Saudi Arabia money. I'm, I'm sure he is. I'm sure he is, yes. Chuck is 50 years old. Had his last fight in 2018 against Tito Ortiz. Uh, originally, uh, oddly enough. he lost. If you want to call that a fight? You sure? Yeah, go ahead. He lost that fight by first round <laughs> knockout, by the way. There was not a fight so much as it was a pummeling. And uh, he has stated that he's officially retired from MMA, MMA for now and is interested in getting involved in the WWE or pro wrestling, Steve. Steve, do you care about fucking 50-year-old Chuck Liddell getting involved in WWE? No, not in the slightest. I, I, I think our friend Jeremy Lambert was a big Chuck Liddell fan back in the day, so he might be the person to ask about this. I'm sure he might be... Um, all kinds of jacked up about it or excited. But to me, no, there's no appeal to, of that whatsoever. No, I don't need to see Chuck in the ring. I don't need to see Tito in the ring. The only kind of MMA thing I really care about right now is Randy Le- Randy Couture trading people. I like that. He taught That's John great. Moxley how to counter the walls of Jericho, my friend, and let Damn him win right. the championship. <laughs> Damn right. See, that's what they do over in AEW. They don't put these le- they don't put these fifty year old legends over their top talent. They have their fifty year old MMA guys teach guys how to do stuff. That's right. So works better. Steve Ring of Honor has a couple title tournaments going up, and we're gonna go through some names here. I, yeah, there's a. You, what's that? I noticed that a lot, a lot of tournaments going on. So right you'll know some of these names for the women's tournament so far because they're rebranding the women's championship. Jonathan Gresham is now. In charge of the division instead of Bully Ray, thankfully. So we have Sumi Sakai involved, the first ever champion. Uh, Kellyanne from Australia. Angelina Love, uh, six-time women's champion. Nicole Savoy of the Mae Young Classic and Shimmer fame, uh, who's been really good in ROH so far. Uh, a favorite of yours, Steve, Katarina Walters. Sure. Katie Lee Birchall. Flash the past. Yeah. Uh, Jenny Rose will be involved. Session Moth Martina, the new signing. Tasha Steeles, who has done some ROH and has also appeared on the NWA program. And Mandy yeah. Leone, all confirmed so far. There will be 16 total. What do you think it's so far, Steve? It sounds a lot like. It sounds pretty similar to the first setup where they crowned their first women's champion with the tournament and had a 
bunch of random people and whatnot. And some of these names were involved in the first one as well. Um, let's just hope they don't go back to Sumi Sakai again. Yes, that would be. Because God bless her, but she's she's got to be what sixty two at this point. <laughs> you know, I the, mean, the girl's been around for. You a while. know what the sad thing was? For as much as people wanted to knock Sumi's age, she had a lot better matches than Kelly Klein and most of the other women. Yeah, yeah, that that's a problem. That's a problem with the uh, <laughs> with the death of, uh, of talents and women's wrestling being what it is. I mean, there's. There's more death than there's ever been, but more of that death has been signed as well. So you run into the problems where your top women's worker in 2020 is still Angelina Love. And yeah, yeah, exactly. There you go. So I mean, it'll, it'll fill some time. So hopefully, I mean, and I will jump on it again by just saying that I hope. If they're actually going to have their women's champion, if uh, Gresham's going to try to book this thing to make it mean something, hopefully it's not like the first time where the Women of Honor only ever appeared on uh, ROH uh, YouTube videos. Agreed. That did not help the division at all. No, so if you're going to actually do this thing and have a champion and try to make it mean something, then feature it on your damn TV show is all I ask. There you go. I don't ask much. So next up for the pure title tournaments so far, Steve, we have announced New Japan legend Big Yuji Nagata. Loving this. Yes. Former pure champion Douglas Williams. Coming out of retirement. He he came out of retirement for Noah at the beginning of the year, and he was actually so deep into retirement he had to borrow boots because he gave his away. <laughs> Burn your boots. Oh boy. So Doug is back for this. Jonathan Gresham, obviously. Alex Shelley, love Alex Shelley. Rocky Romero, who's been really good. Um, Mark Haskins, who's been really good for ROH. Uh, new, the new, one of the new signings, Slex from Australia. Tracy Williams, of course, Marty Skrull is involved. And Uncle Fred Yehi, who was an Evolve regular for a long time, really good, and he'll fit this tournament well. So, right. just looking at this, what do you think it's so far, Stu? Got some good talent there. You got some good talent there lined up, and you can make any number of matches there. And it's it's going to come down to the booking of the matches. I mean, you know as well as I do that there's there's pure championship matches. They could be really good, or they could be really and yeah, really so, sketchy at times. I agree. So it, I know these guys are good workers, and I'm sure they'll try their best. But you know, you can be a good worker and still have a bad match with that style. If, you know, just it clashes with with folks sometimes. So we'll see, but. As far as it's, you can't really complain about the talent. Though. They've done a pretty good job as far as that goes. I agree. And closing up our news, Steve, I know something you're going to be super excited about because I'm excited about it as well. The second season of Dark Side of the Ring returns March 24th. And it will debut with a two-hour season premiere diving into the story of Chris Benoit and the uh, murder of his wife and son and his suicide in 2007. Mm. The episode will feature interviews with Benoit's family and friends, including his other son, uh, David, and Sandra Tuffaloni. I, I always get that wrong, which is Nancy Benoit's sister. And the eight episodes in Dark Side of the Ring Season 2 are, the rest of the episodes are an hour long, will air Tuesdays at 10 p.m., and the other topics will include The Murder of Dino Bravo, which for years everybody has speculated was a gangland killing following smuggling cigarettes. So we'll find out more about that. The WWF Brawl for All Tournament. 
a special on New Jack, a special on David Schultz's assault on 2020 reporter John Stossel. Oh, Dave the Redneck Schultz, one of my personal favorites. So the death of Jimmy Snooker's girlfriend, Nancy Argento. Oh. The inside story of the Road Warriors. The death of Owen Hart. And we close out with Herb Abrams' attempt to build a professional wrestling empire. Which not only goes really wrong, but according to reports, Herb Abrams allegedly died covered in Vaseline and cocaine after trashing a hotel after a night with prostitutes, enjoying himself so much to the point that his heart gave in. Well, you know what? I mean... If you, some people want to go out doing what they love, and I think Herb Abrams definitely uh, died doing what he loved, so God bless him. So uh, that's the dark side of the ring lineup. Uh, Steve and I are big fans of this show. If you guys want us to talk about it here on the podcast, let us know, and we'll either try to fit it in Wednesdays or when uh, we do retro recording, because I know we both really enjoy these shows, Steve. Yeah, it's going to be a good time, and I... I know, I guess maybe at least for a first one and maybe some other ones, uh, the uh, the narrator will be another in Chris Jericho. Le champion, if you will. The, the former champion. Well, he's still the champion in, in our hearts, Larry. Well, that's what he claims. So, <laughs> so that's going to wrap up the news and notes for the night. Uh, just uh, some stuff we wanted to talk about. And that brings us to AEW Dynamite for March 4th, 2020, Steve. We opened yeah. up with highlights of the Revolution pay-per-view, which was a really good show. I enjoyed it tremendously. And we started off with a rare promo. Um, we usually don't start off with the in-ring promo, but we did this week coming out of the pay-per-view as the new champion, John Moxley, speaks. John arrived to a great reaction to kick off the show. He was all fired up, got You Deserve a Chance. And he said that the you know he has the belt now. It's a beautiful thing. It represents professional wrestling, the sport he loves, he dedicated his life to, and that it never did belong to Chris Jericho, and that it doesn't even belong to him because it belongs to the fans, Steve. That's right. The fans wanted something better and, they, and something different, and they brought pro wrestling back. He will defend his belt with his life. He will crawl through hell to do so, climb any mountain, and no man in this industry can take it from him. If you want to try, feel free. He knows he's not done with the inner circle. They tried to blind him and end his career. And then he looked at the camera and said, I dare you. Which, of course, led to Chris Jericho and the inner circle arriving and the fans singing along to Judas still, because why not? Sure. And Jericho, and as you mentioned, Jericho mentioned he didn't need a belt to be le champion. He said right. the fans were idiots, told him to shut their ass, which got a <laughs> shut your ass chant. <laughs> Tony Schiavone, oh, I never thought I'd hear that. Yeah. <laughs> he says uh, Mox is a rebel with more guts than brains, and that the Moxley era has, era has begun, and says it sucks ass, and as that Mox's win was based on a lie. Moxley cheated because Jericho trained for three months to face a man with one eye, but Moxley lied, and that makes him not not only not a worthy champion, but a cheater, and that the fans are liars as well. You know, I mean, that's a fair point, though. I mean, you know, he he kind of prayed around with that eye patch for quite a while. So, so I, you know, I can see where Jericho's coming from here. So Jericho says that Moxley now is a problem. The inner circle have gone from good-natured, attractive lads to a hit squad. 
And they're putting the entire roster on notice. He doesn't care who you are. Ran down a bunch of them because they would tear them all apart and they're going to start with Moxley. After tonight's main event, Moxley won't be able to walk out of this ring on his own two feet. He's so sure of this that if Moxley does, Jericho will leave AEW for 60 days. And everybody was buying this because Jericho has a tour coming up. That's right. And Jericho says he always has a plan. Moxley isn't as smart as he thinks he is. And Moxley said, nobody's ever called him a genius because I never graduated high school. So tonight, he's going to beat Jericho again. He's going to send him packing for 60 days and make him look like a stupid son of a bitch. What'd you think? Well, that wouldn't take much. That wouldn't take much with that attire Jericho's wearing. Come on now. (laughs) What'd you think of the opening promo, dude? Oh, you know, it's... I like the idea of, uh, you know, it kind of reminds me of the old ROH tradition where once there was a new champion crowned, you would start the very next show with a promo from the new ROH champion. So AEW kind of doing a similar thing in that regard. And you start off with Moxley, start off with the crowd being hot for him and everybody's all excited. You bring out the inner circle and uh, a little bit of spoiler is a pretty big night for the inner circle. And and everybody thought right away that, oh, well, Jericho's going away to a tour anyway. So, yeah, they'll, they'll probably kick Jericho's ass on the way out. But uh, I was I was not so sure of that myself. I thought there might have been some uh, <laughs> shenanigans, if you will. Some other issues to, uh, to ascertain. But, uh, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Again, a rare opening promo by AEW. Uh, but it delivered because it played off the pay-per-view. The crowd loved it. And basically the whole story of the promo is Moxley is the voice of the fans and Jericho is just, you know, he's just that asshole who thinks he's still great. And the best part is obviously, I mean, he still delivers while not being the champion. That's kind of the benefit you had to having Chris Jericho on the roster. Well, as you said, he's still a champion. He doesn't, he doesn't need the belt. That's right. In our hearts, he is the champion. So uh, we then started off in ring action. Colt Cabana and SCU defeating the Dark Order, which was Uno, Grayson, Silver, and Reynolds. 12-25 via pin. Thought this was a really good and fun opener. Uh, the Dark Order ended up failing here after winning at the pay-per-view as they continued to tease the Exalted One, which included a post-match promo where they uh, the Dark Order basically got their asses beaten, sent packing. Evil Uno yeah. ranted that it's not supposed to be this way. When the Exalted One arrives, heads will roll. Heads will roll indeed. We're still awaiting the results of who the Exalted One will be. A lot of different speculation out there. A lot of names popping up. And, uh, you know, we, we saw where uh, one potential candidate was released from WWE this past week. His contract's up. So we'll see if that ends up being a thing. I kind of had a random question, Larry. That's kind of... Uh, I was just wondering with the Dark Order. You have Evil Uno. You have John Silver, Alex Reynolds all wearing the masks. How comes Stu Grayson doesn't wear a mask? Brother's too good looking, man. All right. I don't know. I, mean, I, I was kind of wondering. I mean, maybe I was wondering if, like, back when they were Super Smash Bros., if he lost, like, a mask match or something. I don't remember exactly why he stopped wearing the mask, but, I mean, that's a fair question, though. I mean, maybe if he if he had lost a match in the Indies and was still paying homage to it, I would respect that. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, I don't remember. I'm sure if somebody's listening and remembers, they will correct us or let us know, which is appreciated because I seriously do not remember. Nice to see Boom Boom on, Boom Boom on TV as well. I, I love that Cole okay. Cabana is getting on national TV now. I, yeah, I really do. Uh, Colt's been really good for a long time, and he's a guy that a lot of people 
A lot of people, first of all, they, they misunderstand and they don't get him. First of all, he's a dude that opened up the podcasting game for a ton of people. Second of all, he's a guy that taught a ton of wrestlers how to merchandise themselves. He's behind yeah. pro wrestling tees. And while everybody likes to pigeonhole him as a fucking comedy wrestler, he's a lot more than that. Yeah, dude can go. So, And he has been apparently signed not only as a wrestler, but he's also going to do some producing work and announcing from time to time if they need him. Makes sense. So, And, uh, yeah, but what did you think of the opening match, though? I thought it was a, it was a, fine, it was a fine little spot fest. It was kind of, uh, there was a lot of stuff going on from time to time. As usual, Bryce kind of lost some control, but uh, in a good way. It was fun. I would, there was nothing that was particularly bad or anything. Daniels was doing some... <laughs> he was doing some crazy stuff, considering like considering the old man's age and whatnot. He took a crazy, he took a crazy turpitude. He was like, "What are you doing, man? It's crazy." Uh, Daniels was all fired up. I love seeing it. Yeah, I mean, well, he's. I guess he hadn't been wrestling too much for for a while, so he's only appeared here and there. So he's got a little bit of a uh, little bit of extra flow going, I guess. That's right. So we got highlights of the awesome Kenny Omega and Hangman Page versus Young Bucks match from Revolution. Which, again, if for some reason you guys have not seen that match, you need to go out of your way to see it. I'm not going to do what a lot of people were doing and start hitting this with the best tag team match of all time, hyperbole, because I didn't think it was. But We saw that. Well, see, now, if you had thought that, Larry, you, may, you might have gone there damn video package. Yeah, well, I, obviously, you know, I'm not on the payroll and I'm not as popular as everybody else. So, calling it, I guess, the best tag team match of the year wasn't good enough. So, No. Best of all time, man. And I, Shades of the future of AEW or whatever the fuck that weather guy yeah. said. No, I mean, I love the match. I really did. And I just, some people are like, well, you just couldn't go five stars on it. I'm like, well, no, because I didn't think it was. Oh, you know. So, what do you want me to do? Anyway, Britt Baker. Speaking of five stars. Yeah, Britt Baker joined commentary, and she's a young, lovely young lass because she brought Tony a Starbucks. Yes, yes. Taking care of her best friend. Absolutely. She was on commentary. We had a women's match. Big Swole versus Leva Bates. At first, I was like, well, that's slightly questionable to put this on TV and not dark because, God bless Leva, her act is not really good and she's not that good a wrestler. But it was smart because they kept it short. Big Swole finished her off in a minute and 20. Nice squash, exactly what it needed to be because it looks like they're probably going to heat up Big Swole for an eventual title shot. So it was what it needed to be, Steve. Yeah, just uh, putting Big Swole over, and you put Britt on commentary to kind of liven things up a little bit, and I think we're going to be seeing uh, Big Swole versus Dr. Baker here pretty soon. I would not doubt that. We got highlights of uh, MJF defeating Cody at uh, Revolution, which led to Cody Rhodes arriving in the ring. It was promo time. He admitted that he lost to MJF. He said, you know, you work to get on pay-per-view, and then when you win, you get a bonus. You get the winner's side of the purse. You know, talking about going to the pay window, if you will, Steve. This mm-hmm. whole thing started off professional. It became personal. It's professional again. He called out MJF and wanted him to actually look him in the eyes and say that he beat him fair and square. But He didn't? But he did not get young MJF, Steve. No, that was not MJF, <laughs> MJF music that played. Jake the Snake Roberts made his AEW debut. Yeah. And if you would have asked me, Larry, do you think Jake Roberts is going to appear on AEW tonight? I would have been like, no. Wait a minute. The, well, yeah, this is. I'm going to slightly correct you because it was his Dynamite debut. But you might recall when they were building up the uh, 
the woman's battle royal for the buy-in show. Yeah, he did the dealer gimmick. Yeah, he did the dealer gimmick where he he was uh, he was drawing the cards for ladies and whatnot. So he has appeared he's appeared with the show company before. So in that in that light, you know, you can kind of see. But yeah, I don't think we we're expecting it on this particular evening, and not during a not during a Cody promo either. Yeah, he he got a great reaction. He took the mic and um, he was Jake Roberts. Steve said yes, he was. Said he hates to spoil the party. Doesn't want to hear Cody crying, bitch, because he never did that when he lost. He doesn't want Cody to do it now. He says Cody got his ass kicked, and he's, you know, he's not here to praise Cody. He's actually here to slay him. He has a client. Right. The dark side is going to come to AEW, and once their roots take control. The Phoenix will rise from the ashes. It's taken him 20 years to get clean and right, and he's earned this. He won't be a nice boy and play nice anymore. He will be on the outside when his client faces Cody, and he can bring that one-trick pony Arn Anderson with him. There's probably still some heat over the DDT with this. Probably, and they said what the snake wants, the snake gets. He doesn't want all of AEW. He just wants Cody's share of the pie. And then he looked at him and said, a wise man once told me never to turn your back on someone you respect or that you're afraid of. And then he turned his back on Cody and left. Flipped on the microphone and just walked off. And uh, he also referred to Cody as Caesar a few times. Yeah. Which I believe, I guess Cody, that makes Cody the Julius Caesar of AEW. I guess so. So Steve, what do you... Which uh, might play into some things down the road. So we had Jake we'll Roberts see. appearing out of nowhere on this show. What did you think of this whole segment? Well, I mean, if if you know me, if you uh, talked to me about stuff in the past about uh, some of my favorite wrestler, wrestlers when I was a kid, Jake the Snake Roberts was my first favorite professional wrestler back when I first started watching. I don't know something about the something about the Snake, something about the DDT, and just uh, the way he talked. Uh, the way he talked was always a big part of uh, his appeal. He was never that guy that had to yell and scream and holler to get attention. He could just. Uh, kind of lay back and talk to you and be all scary and stuff and uh that's kind of what he did here he do he wasn't yelling and screaming at cody he wasn't you know he wasn't you know just going crazy like some folks do he was he laid it out he told cody that uh he's got a client coming and uh that client's gonna kick his ass and jake the snake's gonna he's not gonna take the whole aw pie he's just gonna take cody's share any speculation on who jake roberts is bringing in steve well, there's a number of different names uh, out there, but uh, the one that kind of the one that I liked that uh, I saw on the Twitter machine, uh, people were laying out some theories and whatnot. And uh, an interesting theory that I saw, uh, he we mentioned how Jake referred to Cody as Caesar, and you might recall that Caesar was uh, killed on the Ides of March. And as it turns out, the Ides of March <laughs> being March 15th, but then the first the first Dynamite episode after March 15th takes place in Rochester, New York. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but there is a certain free agent out there that left OD not too long ago that is from the uh, Rochester, New York area. Yep, that is the big speculation I saw as well. Big Brody Lee. And that would definitely be, that would be a pairing that makes some sense. I mean, Brody is a big old ass kicker. He looks like somebody from the dark side, and, and he's usually that guy that uh, lets other people talk for him. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I really enjoyed this. It was, it was number one. It was a surprise, but number two, it's like Jake's just one of those guys, man. That like he didn't lose it, you know. He, and give him a microphone. By, by every right, he should have. 
Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you give him a microphone and he's still out there. And like, like you said about his promo, Jake's promo style is so distinct because he does that shit to where he does get a little soft spoken and he kind of pulls you in by doing that. And then he just, he slightly changes voice inflection. But like you said, he never gets really violent or angry or yells. And it's it's very distinct to him. Not a lot of people can pull that off. And, you know, like Arn is very similar to that, but Arn would also fire up every once in a while. So, but yeah, it's a, I, I think it's really cool. And I'm definitely willing to see where the Jake Roberts thing goes, man. Yeah, it's going to be interesting stuff. And, uh, not something you would have not something you would have expected either. Also, the one thing and I saw some people weren't happy about this, but I'm actually very happy that they just didn't go right back into a Cody MJF segment. Yeah. Yeah, you could cuz you can you can always go back to that. Yeah, you can stretch it out. No reason to jump right back into it right after the pay-per-view. So we got a highlight of Pack defeating Orange Cassidy at Revolution and tremendously fun really good match. And uh, this led to Pack defeating Chuck Taylor at 10 minutes and 10 seconds via submission with the Brutalizer. Steve, what did you think? Uh, Pack run through all the best friends like a hot knife through butter. I mean, what what can you say about it? Chucky? You know, I love Chuck Taylor. Uh, good, good guy, white meat baby face, just tremendous individual. Um, it's no secret that he's not exactly the top worker in the best friends. He's not, he's not as good as Trent. Trent is in, in ring, for sure. I th- don't think many people disagree with that. They had a fun little match. Uh, um, I I noticed how uh, JR was suggesting that Chuck Taylor might want to put on a few pounds. That was kind of interesting that he would say that. Yeah, but, a uh, little beyond the match shot there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jake Roberts on earlier, too. So uh, there's a lot of beyond the match stuff going on in the show. But, uh, yeah, definitely a nice little match there. Pack uh, got the win as well as he should have uh, hit the brutalizer, and then we had some man, we had some shenanigans after the match. That's so, which right, is the, which is a real story. Post match, uh, Pack was all fired up and ended up facing off with Orange Cassidy till the Lucha Bros Orange was arrived. Fired up too. Yeah, took his jacket off. That's right. But the Lucha Bros arrived, and the heels all kicked the shit out of the best friends. Pack then grabbed the mic and said that they are the Death Triangle, Triangle de la Muerte, and that no one is safe. And then the Lucha Brothers spiked Cassidy with the fucking murder death kill double stomp pile driver, and they stood tall. And uh, I'm kind of digging AEW becoming like a faction based promotion because we got like Jurassic Express, the Death Triangle, Nightmare Family, the Elite, the Inner Circle, Dark Order. There's a ton of shit you can do with that. Yeah, and it, it continued the theme of the evening so far, where uh, kind of the the heels were kind of standing tall from us. They're kind of taking things back, if you will. Um, you had uh, the inner circle doing stuff. You had this new faction form of Pack and the Lucha Brothers, which uh, man, those are three dangerous guys right there. You have Jake Roberts bring in whoever his character is going to be. So, yeah, we're kind of setting things up for kind of next cycling into the next big show where. You're starting to see all these uh, evil acts start to come in. So I uh, got a quick video. Sean Spears still looking for a tag team partner. Hasn't found one yet. That led to Good luck. Yeah, Jake Hagar defeating QT Marshall at three minutes via submission. Didn't overstay its welcome. I thought it was exactly what it needed to be. And it you know, thankfully did not go too long. I thought like Dustin and Hagar, I thought they went a little long at the pay-per-view. So I thought this was 
what it needed to be. It gets Hagar another win. He's the heavy of the inner circle. And you don't need to expose him in long matches anyway, so... No, especially not long matches against him. God bless QT Marshall, but, you know, this is exactly what Jake Hager should be doing against QT Marshall. Yeah. I think QT got a couple little hope. He got, like, a little hope spot, which is fine. You got to do a thing here and there. But, uh, yeah, this is all about Jake Hager looking strong. My favorite. Which isn't hard for him to do. My favorite memory of QT Marshall was when Truth Martini was putting together the uh, unsanctioned ROH show, The Night of Hoopla. And they were doing the video packages, and like it's him and Scarlet Bordeaux trying to book everybody. And as they're going through, they're putting up graphics of who's booked. And they're going through, going through, and going through. And then it, there's a picture of QT Marshall, and then you hear the the slam on it, and it says "Not booked." Mm. But you know what? If QT Marshall is going to be accompanied by Dustin and Brandy Rhodes, and I'm okay with him being booked, that, that's fine by him me. Him and Dustin are supposed to be a tag team going forward, by the way. Yes, indeed. Uh, that would be a little project we'll see here. So we'll see how I, that goes. I think that's a, a, a good team of experienced guys to work with, especially younger guys like Private Party and stuff. Mm. So, um, so post-match, though, we got a big brawl with the inner circle. Cody arrived to make the save. He got cut off. Matt Jackson arrived to make the save. He got cut off. And if you're wondering why only Matt Jackson was there, they announced that Nick Jackson and Kenny Omega not medically cleared tonight following the big tag match on the pay-per-view. So they hmm. did explain this. Then yeah. finally, Hangman Page and his beer arrived. Of course he did. And he uh, he took his time. He set the beer on the post, made the save, hit a big buckshot lariat on Hager and fucking turned him inside out. And yeah. then he got his beer, took a drink, and Matt Jackson was looking to make amends. And Adam Page is fuck off, Matt. And he left. And yeah. This all worked, in my opinion, Steve, because it happened in the perfect order because Every run-in was kind of bigger than the one that preceded it. You got the Cody pop to save his brother. You got, oh, the Young Bucks are here. Well, wait, it's just Matt, yeah. but he got a big pop. And then it culminated with the big Adam Page run-in, and everybody loves Hangman Page right now. So I thought it kind of came off perfectly in terms of how they laid out that whole stretch there. Yeah, definitely good post-match brawl. And uh, I got to tell you, though, I'm not sure in this climate that's a, a good idea for Hangman Page to be taking beers from these people. Uh, he may want to be careful. Hopefully they're crowd plants. Yeah, hopefully they're plants. Hopefully they're taking care of this. I mean, I, mean, I didn't notice where he, he took the seven or eight beer. I don't know how many beers he was carrying off there when he went behind the curtain. He had a he had a whole handful of them. Oh, <laughs> it's very impressive. Hey, God bless him. He's doing the God's work, man. Uh, That's right. So we got highlights of Nala Rose defeating Chris Statlander at Revolution. Unfortunately, not a good match. Um, and then they announced next week, Steve, we're getting Ortiz versus Cody because of Ortiz attacking Cody with a chair. The Death Triangle in action, which I'm excited for them as a trios team. Yeah. MJF the Butcher and the Blade versus the Jurassic Express. Plus, they will announce the rules for Blood and Guts, Ooh. which is the big War Games-esque style match coming on the 25th. And... The thing is, Steve, they said, you know, you may think you know the rules, but they might not be what you actually, th you know, what they are, you know? You know what I'm wondering is, is do you think that maybe they're going to kind of work this instead of just like two teams, this may be worked in some kind of different gauntlet style format, integrating more than two of the factions since we have so many now? I I'll be honest with you, Larry. I really don't know what to make 
heads or tails of. I know they kind of they announced it'd be two rings and cages and whatnot. And beyond that, I really don't know what to expect. Is it going to be Inner Circle versus everybody? Is it going to be this or that? It's going to be like a freaking cybernetico or something. I have no idea. So I'm just I'm just kind of with everybody else, just kind of waiting and seeing what they're going to announce here because I. Personally, I don't have much of an idea other than there will probably be blood and guts involved. I talked with Mark over the weekend when we were reviewing the pay-per-view. I had a big laugh when they named this match Blood and Guts for the simple fact that when Vince was asked about AEW coming after the Cody and Dustin match, well, that, yeah. that's fine for them. I can't see TNT allowing all that blood and guts on their TV. Apparently TNT's okay with it. <laughs> oh. Standards and practice not what they used to be. That's right. So we got an MJ. It's a shame that Miss Hancock's not still for our standards and practices. Am I right? This is true because, mm-hmm. I mean, we miss Miss Hancock. Mm-hmm. So we got a pre recorded MJF promo. He was talking about pinning shoulders to the mat and banging rats. That's right. <laughs> he beat Cody and went from the protege to the master. <laughs> His legacy will read will greatest champion in the history of wrestling. You heard me, Jonathan Moxley. I will win the gold. I will yeah. beat anybody to do it. He ran down a bunch of guys. He will remain undefeated because he's better than you. And and then he had a shirt on that says, I pinned Cody. Yes. And then he also added, oh, I'm sorry. That's quite, I forgot I had this on. It's quite distracting. Almost like a neck tattoo. Bam. Roasted. <laughs> Boom, roasted. And uh, MJF, of course, with the, with the classic, you know, Shades of I broke Wahoo's leg T-shirt, That's right. you know, that kind of thing. Good, 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 good old-fashioned heel work. And you got to appreciate that. It, it, it's He's going to keep bragging about Pin and Cody until they're neg- until they meet again. I'm exactly, sure. and and he should. Yeah. Yep. It's the whole gimmick. Cody's the biggest babyface star in the company. One of them, you know, depending on you know, some people will say Moxley, but Cody's one of the biggest babyface stars in the company. You need to dig that in every time you can. Mm-hmm. So. Speaking of Jonathan Moxley, we were he- heading towards our main event, which was Moxley and Darby Allen facing off with Jericho and Sammy Guevara. But Moxley was attacked by masked men as he entered through the crowd, which turned out yeah. to be Jake Hagar, Santana, and Ortiz. They drug. They sure him. didn't take long to reveal themselves, did they? Yeah, they drug him backstage <laughs> to the uh, like concessions area. They beat the ever living shit out of him. Hagar low blowed yes, him. They dumped trash on him. Moxley kept fighting, but Hagar choked him out, which unfortunately led Darby Allen to fight alone, Steve. You know, I, I know you were looking forward to this. I know how much Larry Zonka loves handicap matches uh, usually, but I'll tell you what, this was a goddamn good handicap match. It was. at the end Because Darby Allen is freaking insane. Yes, at the end of the day, Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara won the main event of 14 minutes via three, and three seconds via pin. And yeah, I mean, I first of all, this was smart to book coming out of the pay, the pay per view. The crowd was really into it following the um, opening segment and the quote unquote stipulation Jericho laid out. Thought it was really good. I thought Darby delivered huge again, and he's gaining such a great following now. And I don't think he lost anything here. People are like, "Well, he still uh, lost. He lost to the fucking former world champion and the dude he's been feuding with, and he had no help." He's no lucky. He, he's lucky. He lasted fourteen minutes. And you kind of wondered. You kind of made the fans were wondering, like, why is there nobody coming out to help this guy? But I think it's Excalibur. Somebody on commentary said that uh, they're not. They're not coming out to help him because that would be an insult, to Darby Allen. Because Darby Allen wanted to take this match on his own. Again, as I've said before, Darby's this like 
kind of weird 2020 mix of Mikey Whipwreck and Mick Foley, man. So yeah. that makes perfect sense from uh, the Excalibur standpoint. Post match, Jonathan Moxley returned. He ran. That's wa- a bad idea. He uh, ran. <laughs> what's that? That's a bad idea. Yeah, bad timing as well if you're Darby Allen. But uh, yeah. he ran wild for a little bit on the inner circle, but quickly got cut off. They just beat the shit out of him on the stage. Hager choked him out, and they powerbombed him off the stage through a table. So Jonathan Moxley did not leave the main event on his own two feet, so the, the champion is sticking around. And it bears pointing out that uh, it should be pointed out that they took out John Moxley there at the end of the show with the infamous, uh, infamous uh, triple powerbomb. Yes, the shield powerbomb. And you probably noticed at the end where the inner circle – all had their fists together with the middle finger extended towards Mr. Moxley. Yeah, they, uh, so there was a, there are some shots being fired there, no doubt. A little bit. <laughs> so a uh, good end of the show there again. Darby looked great. Uh, really enjoyable stuff. And that is going to take us to NXT, Steve. Also um, f- March fourth, two thousand twenty. We steel cages. Steel cage matches tonight, and we started off. With Dakota Kai defeating Tegan Knox in our opening cage match. 16-10 via pin. They were battling down to the end to finish all Knox fight off Raquel. Knocked Dakota Kai to the mat. And then she tried to climb over the top to escape. But Raquel squeezed her in between the door and the cage and held her there. Allowing Dakota Kai to escape and pick up the win, Steve. What did you think? You know, I, I will say, as far as, you know, uh, steel cage exiting gimmicks go, that's a pretty innovative exit. I, I had not seen that one before where the uh, lady got pressed in between the door and in between the cage, which I thought I thought that part was pretty cool. So if you're coming up with a finish like that, I thought it was pretty uh, innovative. So I thought Raquel did a good job there. The match was was fine for the most part. I do worry a little bit about Tegan, although I think at the end of the day what happens at the end of the feud is that Tegan Knox ends up being Dakota Kai at the end. And the infamous, you know, the, the match they always use to blaze feuds off, one fall to a finish. Yeah, and I kind of talked about that. I mean, I like the match more than you. I thought it was really good. I thought it had a good intensity to it. The feud is delivering well. The finish was creative. It sets them up to continue everything. And I noted, I hope they have something really special for that final match because we've done, like, the fucking, like, street fight gimmick. We yep. did the cage match. I mean, we could have to go, like, Wrestling Society X and do Exploding Piranha Cage match. I'm telling you, you know, that's the way they book these shows. It's the, they, 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 build, they do the different gimmick match to build up to the one fall to the finish match. They've done this before. Yeah, and it's kind of unfortunate because I hope it doesn't end on a whimper, you know? Well, I mean, I hope I'm wrong because they deserve a little bit better than that because these girls have done some good work in this field. I agree. Finn Ballard. I don't mean to shoot down the match completely. I'm not trying, I'm not saying it's bad or anything. I was just, you know, I was just a little disappointed with the whole finish and, you know, the whatnot. I can understand that. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, Finn Balor talked about uh, making the first move in his mental chess matches recently, but Walter has now forced his hand, and Walter's not going to like his reaction, and he's going to see Walter sooner than he thinks. Yep. <laughs> uh, Finn might be making an appearance there over in the UK, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing on that. Yeah, they got TV tapings coming up here, I believe, this weekend. Well, there you so. go. All right, well, there you go. 
Got a should be good. Got a Rhea Ripley video package. She was walking around Tampa, the location of Mania, talking about being the first ever NXT Championship match in Mania history. How she came from wrestling in front of small crowds to this now. Mentioned how people used to compare her to Charlotte when she first showed up, and that's part of why she wants to beat Charlotte to show that uh, she can remain different. That's right. Fun. And uh, I, I enjoyed this. this. is a nice little video package, and uh, Rhea walking out, walking around the giant XFL stadium. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, it worked for me, dude. I like it. Again, a little, I, little different, too. It's not just a backstage premise. So I Different that. feel. Yeah, it's not the typical backstage stuff, and I thought Rhea came off really well here. So we had a qualifying match for the number one contenders ladder match that will take over take place at Takeover over WrestleMania weekend. Yeah, Chelsea Green defeated Shotzi Blackheart two twenty via pin. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty brief. It was a brief match, and Chelsea hit her finish right. So I think we do we do appreciate that part. And uh, I made the reference on the Twitter machine to where I thought that uh, Shotzi was probably voting for Bernie back on Tuesday, and either. Uh, I'm guessing either she voted for Bernie or her tank didn't get her to the polls on time. One or the other. One or the other there. And you know that Chelsea Green and Rob Robbie Stone there had to be voting for Joe Biden in the establishment, right? Come on. Who no knows, doubt about man. that. I don't know. No doubt about that. But it's another big win for Joe Biden. That's why I was saying. Yeah, I thought it was it was two minutes and twenty seconds. It was fine for the time given, and I get that they're pushing Chelsea, which is fine, but if I'm being really honest with you, I think Shotzi would have worked much better in a ladder match stylistically. Oh, she'd be better in the ladder match, no doubt. I mean, uh, working gimmicks and stuff is much, I'd say it's much more up her alley. But uh, Chelsea's getting a big push, and uh, assuming that Rhea ends up, ends up retaining the title, we'll probably need somebody of the heelish variety to challenge her afterwards. And I can hear you thinking, oh, God, I hope it's not Chelsea Green, but uh, very well could be. That'll be fine. She'll get killed on TV in five minutes. You know. <laughs> So we got a, uh, a more video teases with the uh, flashes, which is possibly for Killer Cross. We'll find out eventually. Keith Lee arrived, talked about what happened last week with Damian Priest and Dominic Dijakovic. He was interrupted by Cameron Grimes and his hat, who beat yeah. Dijakovic last week. He brags about the win and how he beat Dijakovic faster than Lee beat him at TakeOver. Says that Regal has granted him a title shot next week. Lee basically gets annoyed with him, shoves his ass out of the ring, says he'll be happy to give him an ass beating next week. Yeah, and I don't know if it's just uh, something I picked up or if it just kind of felt weird to me or whatever, but I felt like Cameron Grimes' microphone is not working. He's just that freaking loud. He kind of is, so. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they might have just given him a microphone that didn't work. He's a, he's a loud guy. Big hat. I do like the hat. The hat's a nice touch. There you go. So we got a video of Austin Theory talking about how he's all great already and all kind of shit like that. Isaiah Scott overheard this, laughed at him, challenged him to a match, and we got that coming up later tonight. Uh, Austin Theory is looking pretty tan even by the WWE standards. Yeah, he got about a Hogan 92 going on there. That's the main thing I noticed there. Yeah, he looked, yeah Hulk Hogan 92. That's that the main thing I took away from that segment. That, that's how the Dynasty and um, MOW <laughs> rate their tans. Oh, yeah. yeah, they were doing like a dynasty <laughs> segment. They're like, Richard Holiday is like, look at Hammerstone. Looking totally jizzacked, <laughs> rocking a Hogan 93 tan. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, that led, uh, we got tag team action, Steve. Undisputed Era versus uh, Danny Burch and Oni Lorcan. A rematch from a long time ago at a takeover. They had a great match there. 
the TV match here, they got 11.50 Undisputed Era 1. Um, as you would expect, though, from these four, it was a really good match. I thought they delivered. Undisputed Era winning is the right call, as we'll talk about later in the evening. And I thought it was a um, a fun match. Steve, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was a fine little match. I mean, may I, I did miss some parts of it. So from what I saw, it looked like the Undisputed Era got a lot of the offense there, which I guess you could probably argue for a little bit more for Loney Orkin and Danny Birch. But at the same time, they are the guys that are getting pushed. They are the guys that's going to be in that tag team title picture. So kind of one of those things that is what it is. And only Lorcan has to tweet about getting his ass kicked on XT again. That's all right. He was going to the bar to drink with some Irish car bombs, dude. Well, then he's he's a winner in my book. Yeah. So post-match Undisputed Era cut a promo about their titles being with an undeserving tag team called the Loserweights. That brought out <laughs> the Broserweights. <laughs> Matt Riddle says they're down to give the former champions a rematch. They got jumped by the grizzled young veteran. Zach Gibson says he doesn't care about any stupid rematches. And uh, says it's out with the old and in with the grizzled young veterans. That's some attire he had on too. Yeah, he was um That was an outfit. <laughs> he he's a snazzy dresser, Steve. I don't know how to describe that. It was an outfit. Snazzy. <laughs> snazzy. We'll go with snazzy. Yeah, that was uh that was something else. But they're uh, I can tell you that you can tell they're pretty high on these grizzled young veterans guys. Yeah, they keep bringing And you're them much over. more familiar with them. You're much more familiar with them than I am. And you'll pretty and you'll probably say that they you'll probably back them up. But you know, I just noticed that man, they're high on these guys. They are a good tag team. I, I don't, I don't consider them like a great tag team. They can be great working with the right guys, but they're a really good tag team. I find them entertaining. I'm kind of surprised that they're getting so much extra run here. But I mean, yeah, like you said, they must see a lot in them right now. Yeah. So that led uh, Austin Theory versus Isaiah Swerve Scott up next. Austin Theory defeated Isaiah Scott 11 minutes via pin. Steve, what did you think? Yeah, he beat him, but not before Shane Strickland did that freaking Pentagon Jr. gimmick. I know. Snapped the guy's arm. <laughs> like, what the hell? And uh, Austin Theory still got the win off it, too. He hit his he hit his ATL finish with a uh, damn broken arm. That's right. So, I mean, they put the guy over, that's for sure. <laughs> but, yeah, it's a, it's a fine little match between, the, between these guys, both kind of heading on the way up. And Austin Theory, you can kind of tell, is a guy who... They have a lot of hope in for the future because he got to work that match with Chiampa. He's going over against, uh, I keep calling him Shane Strickland. I know it's not what they're calling him, but what the hell <laughs> it is what it is. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a guy who they have big plans for. Definitely. He's definitely a project guy for them that they see a lot in. So Then we got a sit-down interview with Mara Ronaldo talking with Johnny Gargano. And he was asked about what he did to Ciampa, and Gargano mentioned that he was the only person to go to Morrow's documentary premiere. Man. He's the heart of NXT. Um, Morrow asked him about sneak attacking, and Johnny got all pissed off, said he hit Ciampa while looking him straight in the eyes last week, and even wore a coat that was hard to miss, straight out of the Vince McMahon collection, remind you. And yes. then uh, he started getting really angry with Morrow, um, Said he doesn't know what he's been through. Um, when he when Mara asked why uh, he got in Mara's face, saying that he knows why Johnny is pissed at uh, you know, Mara hasn't reached out to him since Portland. Yet when Chiampa returns, all he can do is shout, "Daddy's home!" So Mara walked off all upset, and Johnny looked at the camera, addressing Chiampa that he knows why. Next week, they come back to the PC uh, for them and. Uh, 
because the show's taking place there. So there you go. Well, there you have it. Um, you know what? I got to tell you, Gargano had um, good points here. Let's be honest. <laughs> the, the guy had good points, and I, we all know why he turned against Ciampa, right? I mean, I think it's pretty obvious all the horrible things that Ciampa did to him over the past couple of years. Why would Giant Gargano forgive all that? He doesn't forget, man. That's right. So, I mean, and for Morrow to sit there and act like he has no idea why Gargano would not like the guy, I mean, that, that, that's uh, you got to call Morrow out on that a little bit. He's not really being the totally forthcoming with us. So next week, NXT is live from the Performance Center because uh, Full Sail was booked. We get Keith. How did Full Sail get booked? Because they often have other things there besides NXT. And, really? Yeah, and I think it. Uh, huh. I think when they first started the NXT thing, they were hoping to be touring in 2020. So they didn't book far enough ahead, and Full Sail filled the date. Ah, whoops. So next week we have Keith Lee defending the North American Championship against Cameron Grimes. As well as the Broserweights defending the tag team titles against Undisputed Era, Steve. Sounds like a pretty sounds like two solid uh, title matches there, and uh, we'll have uh, well we'll also have some kind of a deal with uh, Gargano and Ciampa too. That's right. That they see, so we'll see where that goes. Main event of the evening, our second steel cage match of the evening. Roderick Strong defeated the Velveteen Dream at 13 minutes. Um, the finish saw the Undisputed Era arrive. They got involved. They tried to stop Dream from escaping. Adam Cole got involved. And then Velveteen Dream decided that Roderick Strong was no longer his concern, threw him out of the cage, and took the loss, which led to a post-match where Dream locked the cage door, smiled at Cole, ran wild, beat the shit out of him, posed with the NXT Championship on top of the cage, and... uh looking like we're setting up our takeover main event for Tampa, Steve. Yes, it looks like it's going to be Adam Cole against the Velveteen Dream. Um, perfectly fine match here, as you expect from these two. But you, you know how I'm an, an older gentleman and how some of these things that they do don't quite jibe with me because I'm just kind of old and grizzled and crotchety. But, man, I'm just saying the Velveteen Dream just lost a major match against Roderick Strong. Shouldn't that send them tumbling down the NXT Championship rankings? You would think so. It shouldn't move him up. <laughs> he lost the match, right? You would think so, Steve. Yeah, makes sense. He lost the match. He, I know he, he threw Roderick Strong out of the ring or whatever, but uh, I, I know we're not supposed to think that wins and losses matter, but uh, hey, wins and losses should kind of matter. And when you lose a major match to Roderick Strong like that, you should not be moving up the rankings just because, oh, well, you beat up Adam Cole afterwards and posed with a belt on top of a cage. I don't know. I just, I didn't, I didn't care for that. But I'm, I'm old and crotchety, so I'm sure the fa- I'm sure the younger fans are were all big into it. I don't disagree with you at all. That was a good cage match overall, and just, yeah, the finish is like, I get what they're doing with it, but in theory, I mean... Couldn't he just, like, win and then beat the shit out of Adam Cole? Uh, that would make sense, Larry. Yeah. But uh, I guess I guess they're afraid that would make Roderick Strong look weak, which I don't know why they're... What are they protecting Roderick Strong for? Let's. I mean, do you need to protect Roderick Strong? I don't really think you do with all due respect, with all due respect to Roddy. I don't think he needs to be protected that much. Not really. No, he can lose a match and he'd be fine. So I, I, and instead, he wins the match and... So what the hell is he doing now? 
I have no clue, Steve. So that's going to bring us to the overall head-to-head comparison for the week. Steve, I will allow you to go first. What did you think this week for these shows? Well, um, it's I'm going to kind of cop out and do kind of a split decision kind of deal, which sounds, uh, sounds kind of bad. But uh, I fully expected the NXT to win this week based off uh, two big-time steel cage matches, kick-ass tag team match. I thought uh, Austin Theory had a good showing. Some pretty solid in-ring stuff, but uh, yeah, I'd give them the edge on the in-ring, but then with the whole t- storytelling aspect, I thought AEW set up a lot of good stuff for the future. I mean, you had you had the, the Inner Circle had one of their best nights so far. You had Jake the Snake freaking Roberts making a comeback. You have pa- Pac and the Lucha Brothers getting together, and you see where they're setting things up for the future. So, and yeah, I had a lot of fun watching both shows as as I always do, and I would give a slight edge to AEW because I just think they're set up a lot. I think they're set up a lot of good stuff, and I think their setups for the good stuff is better than NXT's. I thought NXT was an improved show this week because the last couple of weeks I thought it felt really flat. Um, this week's show felt like it had more of a purpose to it, had some better wrestling, a better energy to it too. So. Hopefully they can keep that up next week. I don't know what the, you know how many people they're going to have in the performance center and everything. So we'll find out. It may very well be a good show with Hawk Crowd, and hopefully it is because they're going to be really amping up the takeover build next week. AEW I thought was a really strong post pay per view show. Um, they continued some feuds. They reset the table a little bit in other places. Got some new alliances, some new people involved, like Jake Roberts, as you mentioned. Lots of good, and more importantly, I thought smartly booked stuff throughout the night. Uh, really strong promo work to start off the show. And it wasn't as great as the last three weeks, because the last three weeks I thought they put together a hell of a run. Like some of the best TV I've seen consistently in a long time. But I thought this really delivered, and I'm curious to see um, where they go. I think the only thing that really struck me as odd this week for AEW, and the only thing I can really knock as a negative to this show was... They advertised Lance Archer's debut last week, and we didn't get it. Yeah, that was a pretty notable miss on their part where uh, they, you know, they, the one of the things they had been doing was trying to actually deliver what had been advertised. I don't know if how many people are going to be broken hard by the lack of Lance Archer, but hey, Lance Archer's pretty cool. Yeah. I would like to see him. So we'll... Um... We'll see what happens with that. But, I mean, again, I, I give NXT a slight nod this week as well. Um, or, I'm sorry, AEW. Uh, really enjoyed both shows, though, this week. So Now, uh, and I'm thinking about this now. Do you think that they had something planned for Lance Archer as part of one of these angles they were doing on show this week and then decided maybe not to go in that direction? Like, maybe he could have been part of the Dark Order thing or maybe ends up being part of the Jake the Snake thing. I mean, maybe they're just... Uh, Maybe they just kind of changed plans and waited on things a little bit there. I think that's what happened, too, because you were also debuting Cabana tonight on TV and the Jake Roberts thing. So, yeah, I think it just kind of got pushed to next week is my feeling. It just it, it came off as odd because they've been excellent so far at announcing something and then delivering it. So we'll see what happens. But very curious to see where Lance Archer is going to fit into everything. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting. This interesting to see for sure. And uh, and as a side note, I know we don't usually talk about the ratings on this show, but uh, 
I would not be surprised if NXT got being not, been an uptick this week due to the cage matches. I think they might see a boost in the ratings. I think AEW will still win simply for the fact that they had put together three really great weeks of TV and they're coming off of a pay-per-view. And yeah. usually you get that post-pay-per-view bump. So I think they'll win. But I do agree that I think NXT, because of the hyped cage matches, will see excuse me, we'll see an overall numbers bump. Because traditionally, cage matches have been a draw. Yeah. And I know that's what people, everybody will be talking about uh, here on uh, Thursday. So, And we will find out come Thursday, Steve. So we have one more thing to talk about tonight. There is a WWE Elimination Chamber pay-per-view this Sunday. Yes, there is. And I should point out it's also known as No Escape in Germany. There you go. Because they're not, you know, the Elimination Chamber is kind of, kind of a bad thing over there. Yes. We are starting off with the U.S. champion Andrade defending against Humberto Carrillo, Steve. On Monday's Raw, Ray and Humberto uh, finally defeated Andrade and Angel Garza in a tag match. Babyface has finally got a win in this feud. Uh, Carrillo pinned Andrade in that match, which sets us up for this, you know. Uh, so they have an established feud. The setup makes sense. They've had good to really good matches in the past, but for me, um, while they've been fun, I've also been waiting for them to have that like kind of really great match together that I know they're capable of because both guys are really good. Hopefully we get that here because this pay-per-view is not exactly a deep card pay-per-view. Um, I still think that we're heading for um, the four guys mentioned at a match for uh, Mania for the U.S. title. But I wouldn't be surprised to see Creo actually win the title here. I no, I wouldn't be surprised by that either because it's kind of the it's been kind of title's been kind of jumping around here anyway. It's just been going back and forth between guys for uh, I'm not I'm sure there's a rhyme or reason that I'm not sure of, but we're talking about two really good really good wrestlers here. I think if you give them enough time, they're just gonna have a really good match and. Uh, there's only six matches announced so far. There's going to be more, right? We'll have more announced. I'm sure Sheamus is going to kill a geek at this pay-per-view, and they'll add, like, two other things on They'll Friday. find some stuff. They always add crap at the end, so well, they probably won't get as much time as we hope. But it uh, should be a good match, and for the sake of, uh, for the sake of being different, I'm going to keep the tie on the heel hand in the WrestleMania. Like, let's keep it on Andrade. Why not? All right. Fair enough. Next up, we have an Intercontinental title handicap match. Oh, where Jesus. Braun Strowman oh, will face off with Cesaro, Nakamura, <laughs> and Sami Zayn. You know, the, the thing three is, geeks. if you would have told me like three years ago that Cesaro, Nakamura, and Sami Zayn were going to be a stable, I'd be so fucking excited. Yeah. But I'm really not right now. And no, no. These, these guys don't matter. Let's be Strowman honest. Strowman has been feuding with Nakamura. He finally won the IC title. And he was constantly being like cock blocked by Sammy and Cesaro before he won the title. So he wins the title, he stands tall, and you know, he's he's fighting with these three heels still because they can't get away from this program. They did a contract signing last week for it was supposed to be for Strowman and Nakamura rematch. Strowman made a random comment about how he knows he's gonna have to fight all three of these guys, and since Braun is big and stupid, Sammy tricked him into a handicap match. <laughs> Well, I mean, you're not wrong. He is kind of big and kind of stupid. So um, I'm kind of really sick of seeing these four guys interact. It's like Braun's going to do Braun things and run people over. Cesaro's fucking great. Nakamura's on his retirement plan. And 
I'm interested to see what Sammy actually does here because he just hasn't yeah. been wrestling. Yeah, who knows? I mean, he could be all healed up and ready to go and maybe does some big bumps in this match or something. Or he, he does nothing. Yeah. Maybe he runs around. So I think this is going to go. Either one. I think this goes one of two ways, Steve. Either Strowman's just going to fucking steamroll all these geeks again and retain and get his comeuppance on Sammy, who keeps running away from him, and maybe set up something for him at Mania with Brian or Sheamus or someone who the fuck knows. Or some Saturday Night Live guys or something. Or they screw Braun over and Sammy actually takes the championship here. And causes a rift between he and his followers, and we end up with another like fucking four way at Mania. Hmm. But then we have the four. Then we're predicting the four way for the U.S. San Fierro Canal Championships, which they have done before. I'm pretty sure. Got a pre show, Steve. Well, yeah. You have to fill seven fair. hours. Yeah. Uh, I I I'm just gonna. I I think Braun just run over, runs over geeks. I mean, I I, I kind of just hope there. he does and moves on. Yeah, but again, I'm not going to be surprised. Yeah, I get you. I mean, and and it is a shame, as you said, uh, a couple of years ago, we've all been very excited about a stable with uh, Nakamura and Cesaro and Sami Zayn, and we're kind of sitting here and we're, we're watching it, and we're just like, eh, whatever, yeah, yeah, <laughs> whatever, guys, you do you. <laughs> we got a no disqualification match coming up next, Steve. Alistair Black facing off with AJ Styles. This uh, comes out of Monday's angle where they were supposed to face. They technically did face, but AJ made them face the Good Brothers first. Aleister Black beat both of them. And then they beat the shit out of them, and AJ ended up giving Black his first loss in a short match. So we get a no-DQ match here at the pay-per-view. I think Aleister Black is really great. I love AJ Styles. He, He can still be great from time to time, but... We really haven't seen it in a while. He's been in a lot of gentlemen's three matches. Um, you know, good, but unspectacular. There's word on the street that he's banged up as well. Yeah, and I mean, he probably is. And I, he's fucking like 40. I mean, it's okay. Yeah. And I don't expect him to be AJ Styles from 2005. But it's just every once in a while, it's like he faces like off with a lot of good guys sometimes. And it's just like, I walk away a little disappointed, you know? Yeah, so, the, yeah. obviously, the rumored match is Styles versus Undertaker at WrestleMania. Undertaker yep. kicked AJ's ass in, like, 10 seconds in Saudi Mania. He also, <laughs> hang on, he also beat the shit out of the Good Brothers backstage. So, while I think AJ may win this match, I said this when I talked with Mark, I actually think that they're not setting up AJ Styles and the Undertaker. I actually think that we're going to get Aleister Black and the Undertaker versus the OC in a handicap match. Mm. With Undertaker giving Aleister Black the rub as they win. And Aleister Black doing more of the work. Exactly. Makes sense. I'm not opposed to it. Sounds fine to me. Putting it out there. That sounds better than AJ Styles versus Undertaker in 2020. I put it out there the other day, and all of a sudden I've seen it on Twitter. People were like, you know something people aren't talking about? They may do Taker and Aleister Black versus the OC. Like, where the fuck were you a week ago? Not paying attention. Been all over this. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think the I'd be surprised if AJ didn't win this match. Yeah, I think it kind of makes sense. And then, like, they do the big match beat on, the dong hits, and Taker makes the save. The dong. Undertaker's dong. That's right. Uh, next up, we have the Raw Tag Team titles on the line. The new champions, the Street Profits, defending against Seth Rollins, and I'm not your buddy, pal, Murphy. 
Now, this has been a feud that's been going on for a little bit. Rollins and Murphy beat the Street Profits at Saudi Mania. They then had the rematch on Raw where the Street Profits run after Kevin Owens cost the champions the titles. Cause we're seeing Yay, baby faces. Yeah, Cause we're seemingly <laughs> setting up Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins for Mania. Seth and Buddy obviously immediately demanded their rematch. I thought the Saudi Mania match was actually good. The Raw match was very good. It was even better. And if this isn't like completely fucking overbooked and they get time, I think it has a ton of potential and maybe one of the better matches on the show because all the guys are really good here. Street Profits are a ton of fun. I see no, no reason to take the title off the Street Profits already because you're supposed to be setting up Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins anyway, so I'm going with the Street Profits, Steve. Yeah, there's no reason for Rollins and Murphy to have the tag titles at this point, and I think it'd be better and make more sense to ease them into uh, a feud with the Street Profits and the AOP. If you were going to have uh, them feuding with uh, Rollins' faction here, I think it'd make more sense to have the actual tag team involved here. But, uh, yeah, it should be a fun time, and that Bayface Kevin and Owens cheating on their behalf, pretty good stuff. And then the question I have for you is... Uh, if you were going to call him one name, would it be better to go with Buddy or Murphy? Well, should they have just called him Buddy instead of just Murphy? I think if you're just going with one name, Murphy does work better. But I just hate when a guy's had a name for like three fucking years and he changed his name. It's a, and let's be honest, Buddy Murphy wasn't the best name either. But I get what you're saying. Yeah. So, Steve, uh, continuing the cage match role of WWE... Because we matches, had one like, at Saudi Mania, we had two on NXT, and we have two Elimination Chamber matches on this. And AEW has one cage match, and WCW turns their fucking product into the lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> so, Steve, first up, and I'm going to go to you first on this women's Elimination Chamber match. Shayna Baszler, Ruby Riot, Natalia, Sarah Logan, Liv Morgan, and Asuka. There is no reason to say any other name there besides Shayna Baszler, let's be honest. Fair. Yeah, Shayna's Shana's winning the match. She's moving on to WrestleMania. She's going to take on Becky Lynch unless they've completely lost their minds, unless she failed a wellness a wellness test, unless uh, her bus doesn't make it to the show, unless you know she hits her head on the ring steps or something. Unless something completely strange happens, uh, Baszler's going over. Baszler's going to go to uh, WrestleMania and face uh, Becky Lynch wearing a king's crown for some reason. Not sure what, not sure what that was all about. I'm, just, you know, you see some weird stuff around here. There are some other people in this match. I mean, we got the Liv Morgan, Sarah Logan kind of thing going on with Ruby Riot, so there'll probably be a lot of drama there. Asuka's going to hold up a lot of the work end of the match, I think. Although, what was the deal with Asuka this past Monday? She had some kind of injury, right? Had a wrist or what injury. Was her, what was wrist injury. Okay, so that's something to keep an eye on there. So hopefully she'll be okay for it. And, uh, yeah, Natalia's also kind of there. But uh, it, it's Baszler unless unless somebody loses their mind backstage. Yeah, it really should be Shayna. And, like, kind of just breaking down participant-wise, like, We've seen Shayna in NXT and stuff. Shayna can be really good. Ruby Riot is really good, and she's going to be looking to impress coming off that long injury hiatus. Natalia is solid of unspectacular. I mean, she doesn't do anything bad, but it's just like it's a Natalia match most of the time. It's like she's it's, it's fine. Yeah. Liv has shown some actual good flashes here since her return and kind of reboot. I've seen Liv's flashes, yes, sir. So uh, I think Sarah Logan is actually really solid and kind of underutilized at times, and Asuka's great. So, I mean, this is going to be like one of two things. It's either going to kind of be a mess, or I think it's going to be really fun. I'm not sold on which one yet, though. 
Could go either way. Yeah. I'm leaning towards... Uh, I think people are going to have low expectations heading into it, so I think it'll be pleasantly uh, pleasantly good, I think, is what I'm going with. Uh, that's my prediction for it. I think it'll be better than people expect. So, and I, I mean, I, I hope it's really good. It's just, I, I don't know. It has... It's kind of like when ROH like does four way matches. Like ROH sometimes do those four way matches, and they're either like a total blast and great, or they're just fucking all over the place. And it's like this shit's unwatchable. And it's just, and it's always tough as well when it's so obvious who winners gonna be going in. Yeah, and I think that's the one thing that's really gonna hurt the match. Like the crowd may kind of shit all over it in terms of drama. Yeah. So because nobody thinks anybody else is winning this match. Yeah. So we're going to find out what happens. Maybe maybe Oscar's too hurt and Ronda Rousey returns to surprise everybody and then everybody's like that would be a swerve. That would be You know what? I I I would laugh. I would laugh. Like Bill yeah. Goldberg beating the Fiend laughing. Yeah, just same thing. Same thing right there. I mean, man, people got worked up over that, and I think you and I saw that coming. Well, dude, I, 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 here's the, th- I, I love when you see this shit after stuff happens. You know what, man? Nobody saw this coming and nobody called Goldberg beating the fiend. Jesus Christ, guys. I have a podcast and a fucking preview column where I called it. And I explained to you exactly why they did it because they're trying to sell the pay-per-views to another streaming service. And Bill Goldberg looks really fucking great to people trying to invest. Not the fucking murder clown. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I just, yeah, that was that was the whole thing, a uh, whole hoot and a holler. I don't, and yeah, and the match looked like it sucked, but hey, what can you do? Well, here's the thing, though. I'm not trying to be like the I called it guy. It's not like I called like Heath Slater's gonna win the title in 2021, Steve, at a TLC pay per view. You know that would be a surprise. Exactly, but I mean, don't don't <laughs> hit me with the nobody fucking called it bullshit. They have to include that as part of their narrative to that Vince McMahon is this like creative genius and mastermind. They have to go. <laughs> oh, because nobody saw it coming because Vince is playing chess while y'all are playing checkers. You know that kind of bullshit they come up with. Vince is playing with himself. About it. Well, I mean, somebody's got to at his age. So, so um, next up, I, I have no clue what exactly is main event in this fucking show. But uh, we'll go with the SmackDown Tag Team title. Yeah, one on this show deserves to be a main event. The last match we have is a SmackDown Tag Team title Elimination Chamber match. The Miz and Morrison defending against the Usos, against Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler, Heavy Machinery, Lucha House Party, and The New Day. And I'm not actually going to lie about this, Steve. I actually really like this match. <clears throat> because we moved away from the Men's Chamber, which we all knew was going to be Roman winning. Mm-hmm. And would have had no drama. And this one has a lot of potential. Miz and Morrison have been a ton of fun and successful since they reunited, won the titles. The Usos are a great team. Rude and Dolph are kind of like a really solid work team. Like, I don't think they're great, and I have no time for Dolph, but they're, you know, they're solid. Heavy Machinery, I think, are a ton of fun. Lucha House Party are, are, Party are also a ton of fun, and they're going to be there to fly around and take big bumps. I didn't know they were still here, to be honest with you. They are. No they're idea. just never on TV. I, yeah, I had no idea they are still employed. So, Good for them. And I think the New Day totally delivers on pay-per-view pretty much all the time. So, like, I can see the argument for a, t- a title change, but considering they just gave the titles to Miz and Morrison, think they're going to keep them going into Mania, and I have them winning this one, Steve. 
Yeah, they should keep him going. The mania that'd be the right choice. It's 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 never it's never crazy to predict the New Day will win because the New Day wins these matches pretty often. But uh, I think Miz and Morrison is a smart choice, and uh, you know, and you know, last week when uh, Roman Reigns got the title shot against Goldberg, people were complaining about, well, well, Roman didn't have to do anything to get a title shot. Well, he came out and challenged Goldberg. What do you want? And yeah, we could have had we could have had Murn in a chamber match where we've had sat through thirty minutes of nonsense to finally have Roman Reigns win. Uh, I didn't really see the upside of uh, having a chamber match for that. Just have Goldberg accept the challenge. Exactly made sense to me. And the other thing too is Roman just did beat Corbin at Saudi Mania in the cage match to end that feud. Yeah, so, so he did something. He, he's, yeah. he's coming off a win. He challenged Goldberg and. Again, hey, Bill accepted. Yeah. It's it's the match I, I I said going into the Saudi Mania show. It was the match to make. It makes sense. And I again, I'm with you. I don't want to sit through a single a men's single elimination chamber match to where we all know Roman's going to win. Yeah. And people and people are like, well, how come Drew McIntyre had to win the Royal Rumble to earn a title shot? Because Brock won just can hand out a title shot. Bill would. You know, they're different guys. Bill will accept the challenge, and Brock won't. I don't know, dude. And nobody ever challenges Brock either, you know, just because I, Brock just disappears for months at a time and nobody says anything. But, uh, oh, well. Anyway, I think that, yeah, this match should be pretty fun. You got a lot of good, a lot of good teams there. Miz and Morrison winning is a smart choice. Uh, but, yeah, I'm just kind of surprised the Lucha House Party is still around. And I know we're all looking forward to the in-ring interaction between Otis and Dolph Ziggler. There's a new theory I'm going to throw out to you here online about um, Jake Roberts stuff. Ooh. Jake Roberts called Cody Caesar several times, as you, as you mentioned. Caesar mm-hmm. was uh, betrayed on the Ides of March, which you mentioned, Steve. What you yes. did not mention is he was betrayed by Brutus and Cassius. Hmm. What if it's the debut of Brutus the Barber Beefcase, Beefcake and Big Cass? Well, that's an idea. <laughs> no, somebody posted that. I mean, it is funny. <laughs> that was, uh, you know, that that's one of those ones where you would go. Nobody called that. <laughs> Nobody called the Brewers Beefcake Big Cast Tag Team. And who would be the worker in that team? Uh, I don't know. I just want to throw it think- out there, though. If this comes to truth for some reason. <laughs> Aaron Quinn on Twitter is the one that po- posted that out there. I'm not taking credit. I did not come up with it. That is all Aaron's. <laughs> we can blame him. No, her. Her. No. My bad. Sorry. Sorry. Aaron, fellow cat owner, very good person. But uh, yes, yeah, so it's just. Uh, I laughed. I saw it. I'm like, come on. It's yeah. Well, you know. So Steve, a big cast has not yet made his appearance in AEW. Oh, thank God. But... Yeah. So, Steve, Elimination Chamber, just looking at what we have, honestly, what's your excitement level for this show? Oh, gosh. Nah. <laughs> it's one of the shows I'll read the results of, honestly. I No, there's just... with all I mean, there looks like there'll be some decent matches on the show, but there's just nothing that I can really sink my teeth into and get really excited about. Yeah, and I, I hear you, dude. I, I don't blame you. I kind of feel the same way. I'm sitting at, like, a five. Like, I'm interested in a little bit of stuff, but... I think, excuse me, a couple of these matches can go either way, quality-wise. So we'll see what happens. But uh, 
That is going to bring us to the end of our show, Steve. I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to remind you guys, if you would like Steve and I to review Dark Side of the Ring on the shows going forward, let us know. We will try to fit that into our schedule and uh, record because we both enjoy that show. Going to be back Sunday night for the Elimination Chamber post-game show with Kevin Pantoja joining me once again. And um, not only are you getting the Elimination Chamber post-game show, but there will be a retro review from Steve and I. Steve, what did we record the other day? What are the fans getting? Oh, it's a it's a pretty special show, Larry. It's the very last pay per view from World Championship Wrestling. That's right. We go back to March two thousand one, the first and last edition of DCW Greed. That's right. So, following Kevin and I's Elimination Chamber review, that will be also on the same show for you guys to enjoy. Again, Steve and I are trying to find time and fit in and record retro review stuff. We have some stuff planned for the next couple weeks. We hope you guys enjoy it. We will always take um, suggestions. Again, keep them to things on the WWE Network or for free on YouTube. That's uh, easier for us to get to. And again, that wraps us up. I want to thank everybody. I want to thank everybody also again for another successful month. January was great. You guys are awesome. This is the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, the 411mania.com website, any major podcasting platform. Please make sure to subscribe to our show, share us around on social media, and if you have time, leave us a five-star review on the podcasting platform of your choosing.